praying over what I should talk about today, and the Lord brought to mind a phrase that Pastor Stan will use from time to time. He'll, he'll tell us to put a crown above someone's head and watch them grow into it. And I was seeing in my mind's eye all the people from my past and the people in my present who are standing around me, who have been watching and waiting uh, for me to be all that God has made me to be, to, to grow into the crown they've been holding over my head. And I was just thinking it's my hope and my desire that everyone in this room today would feel the joy of someone standing next to them and holding a crown over their head. But not only that, but maybe you could feel the joy as well of holding a crown over someone else's head and watching them grow into it. The cool thing about this crown thing is, it's just not about me growing into mine. I get to hold one over someone else's head while I'm growing into mine. And at the core of this concept, I think, is love and encouragement. And I want us to look today um, at some practice of this, how we can make this happen, and what the Bible says about this concept of love and encouragement and holding a crown over someone's head. As Stephanie so beautifully sang that song uh, this morning, I just thought, wow, how far she has come. God is doing such a great work in her. Why? Because Pastor Kenny has been holding a crown over her head. And, and I think of my own position. I mean, I went to Bible college. I was had everything I needed to get my license to preach, but it wasn't until 15 years of ministry and I met Pastor Stan and he said, why not, Jenny? Why not get your license to preach? Why not be our children's pastor? And I'm so grateful that I'm standing here today and that someone held this crown over my head and I hope that we're all encouraged today to, to encourage others. Let's pray. Thank you, God, so much that your love, it never fails, it never runs out on us, and you are a God of encouragement. And I pray today that you would give us your heart to encourage, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would hear what you have to say today, and that we would take what we learn and live it in our lives, Lord. Thank you, God, so much for your word, for loving us, for your encouragement. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. And Proverbs 10.21 says, The words of the godly encourage many. We are told here to be people of encouragement, to build each other up, to that our words can encourage many. Listen to this quote from Kent Hughes. He says, encouraging is a wonderful gift and we are to place it at Christ's feet and be willing to be worn out in its use. Are you willing to be worn out encouraging others, being worn out in its use? You know, if you want to encourage others and spur someone else on in their faith, Here's a great place to start. Think and speak positively of others. Now, I read this quote, first service, 
And uh, from Mark Twain, and you know, he doesn't always have a positive twist on the things that he says. And my husband came up to me afterwards and said, Jenny, the way you followed up with that, it made it sound like you didn't get it. And I didn't get it. (laughs) So I said it was bad first service, but now that I get it, it is really bad. What he says, and this is what we don't want to be. Um, Mark Twain said this last week. I stated this woman was the ugliest woman I had ever seen. I have since been visited by her sister and now wish to withdraw that statement. (laughs) See, I thought the sister went in and fought for the other sister and said, you shouldn't do that. And he was repentant and withdrew his statement. (laughs) Just like, no, honey. Sister is uglier. Bad, that is so bad. Here's what the Bible says about thinking and speaking positively about others. Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I like to reread this scripture and just insert a little tiny something there. I want to say it this way. Now, brothers and sisters, when you think about and speak about others, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Are we thinking the positive when we think about others. When we uh, had made the decision to come to Oregon and Jeff had accepted the position here at Horizon Community Church, I was close to term in a pregnancy and we had to make the choice. Uh, would, the ba- would the baby be born in Indiana where we were living or Oregon and the way the insurance worked out, it was just better for me to stay and for him to come and start working here in Oregon. And, and he made, we all made arrangements with the doctor for him to fly back. So he was there for her birth, but. During the time Jeff was here and the kids and I were home alone, uh, contemplating the move, thinking about stuff, I, um, Josiah was five years old and I came across this video clip of his attitude about the whole situation, about moving, about his dad having left him there with all those girls <laughs> in the house. He used to shake his head and say, mom, girls are bossy and rude. They're just bossy and rude. All those, all those sisters trying to mother him. But I, I want to show you this clip of his attitude about moving and, and about coming out to Oregon. Where's your father? Uh, at Oregon. Yeah, Oregon's a fun place for him. He's going to like it there. He is? Yeah, because it's fun, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to love it there. Even when me move there, we're going to like it. Okay. Next color. <laughs> Classic ADD moment, right? <laughs> Say something really profound in the next color. <laughs> I just love that positive attitude. You know, he was thinking positively about his dad. He was thinking positively about this move far away. And what a great attitude to have in life. What a great perspective to have to be thinking about the good in a situation. When we think of others, are we thinking the best of them? Are we 
fixing our thoughts on what's admirable and what's worthy of praise? Are we thinking about all the things that they've done that have been done in excellence? Or do we think about those one or two things they did wrong? Those couple mistakes they made. Think positively of others. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everything. The meaning of the Greek word um, translated urge here in the New Living Testament um, is to come alongside, to call to oneself. And it it kind of like brings the image of when you, take your, when you take a child roller skating for the first time and the parents come alongside them and they each grab a hand and they go skating with the kid. And, you know, half the time the kid's skates are on the ground and, and a lot of the time they're up in the air or flying around. But the parent all along is holding them up keeping them from falling, encouraging them, you know, push, pressing them on, saying you can do this, and with positive words and a heart of love, they're encouraging that child. And we see here in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we are to urge, to come alongside, to encourage those who are lazy or timid or weak and and it uses the term warn. And I'm thinking warn isn't all that positive or encouraging. But think about this. We're not going to grow into our crown unless someone encourages us in the things we don't do well. It's great to be encouraged in the things you do do well. But you're not going to grow unless someone comes alongside you and encourages you in something you don't do well. Sometimes we have to take it on the chin. The key here is in the presentation of the encouragement. You got to be like that parent coming alongside with positive words, with a heart of love, thinking positive about the situation. When you come alongside someone to encourage them or make a correction, you got to come with a heart of love. But also, if you're the one someone's coming alongside, don't despise their desire to put that crown above your head. Don't despise that. Think about what they said. Pray about it. Who knows, it might be the one thing that's holding you back from growing right into that crown. Don't despise the words of the godly. Proverbs 10:11. the words of the godly are like life-giving fountain, and the words of the violent or the wicked conceal violent intentions. When a godly person comes alongside you and speaks warning to you, take it on the chin. Take it on the chin. They're just putting that crown above your head. And you can grow into it. Let's look back at this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. There is a man in the Bible who is considered weak. He was from a weak family clan. And he was considered the weakest in his family. And it was wartime. 
And the enemy had sent marauders throughout the country and they were taking any food that was visible and destroying it. They were taking any livestock and killing it. They were trying to starve the Israelites to win the war. But here's how God speaks words of encouragement to the timid and the weak. In Judges 6, 11, and 12, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. He was sticking that crown above the weak man's head. And reading from verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. Go with the strength you have. He didn't say, after these 10 steps, I think you might be ready. He said, go with the strength you have. And rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. God sent an angel to call out, to speak encouraging words to Gideon. He said to him, mighty hero, and then the angel reminded him of something key. This is key to our success, key to our, each of us growing into that crown. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. We are because God has made us to be. We do because God does it in us. We take credit for nothing knowing that it is and was and will be because God did it. He spoke it and he will do it. God did not let Gideon's weak status or his past actions affect how he saw Gideon's future. And this week in life groups, we're gonna be discussing how important it is not to let others' past actions or present circumstances affect how you see their future. God sent encouragement and an assignment to Gideon and Gideon listened and obeyed and now he's listed in the faith chapter in Hebrews. He became a mighty hero because God said so. And God speaks to each of us every day and we can grow into that crown and we, we can become that mighty hero he's asking us to be. That leads me to our second point today. Don't hold someone back because of past mistakes. There's a VeggieTale song titled, He's a God of Second Chances. And I, I wanna ask you, Horizon Community Church, are we a people of second chances? Do we give people second chances? I know there's a Chinese proverb that's considered to be wise. It says, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And I know there can be some wisdom in that, but boy, am I glad God doesn't stand in heaven and look down and say that to me. I am so glad he gives me 
second chances. If you look at King Saul and King David in the Bible, you'll find that both of them sinned. Both of them made mistakes. Both of them did wrong things. There was a key difference between them. One of them, the crown was taken away, and the other one got to keep their crown. And what was the difference? King David had a heart of repentance. When he messed up, he was willing to own up. He was willing to say, I did wrong. He said, sorry, and he was truly sad about what he had done. King Saul, at some point, began to be so filled with pride, he couldn't even see he was making mistakes. And he couldn't even own up to the mistakes he was making. And at some point, he even stopped looking to God and asking God for help. But David had a heart of repentance and a heart for God. In 2 Samuel 12, 13, it says, And David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. God gave David a second chance after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. David still had to face some pretty painful consequences for his mistake and, and his sin, but he chose to be repentant. He admitted his guilt, and his crown was not taken from him. We see that Peter denied Jesus three times, and when Jesus was arrested, remember he cut off the ear of the guard? He was forgiven, and he was put in a place of leadership to birth the church. In 2 Chronicles 32, 24 through 26, it says, About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. He prayed to the Lord who healed him and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah did not respond appropriately to the kindness shown him, and he became proud. So the Lord's anger came against him and against Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah humbled himself and repented of his pride, as did the people of Jerusalem. So the Lord's anger did not fall on them during Hezekiah's lifetime. God did not hold these repentant men back. Why should we hold someone back because of their past mistakes? Since no one is truly free from sin until we get to heaven, chances are that person you're standing next to holding the crown above their head chances are they're going to make a mistake or two. Chances are they're going to do something wrong. And they may even do something wrong that it affects you. You have to face the painful consequences of their mistake. But if we allow ourselves to continue to hold that crown over their head, Think about how they could move past that mistake and what all the great things they could do. If we choose to take our crown away because we're disappointed, what painful consequences could come from that? You know, if you label them, maybe you want to take their crown off and put a dunce hat on their head. You know, sometimes we just get really mad at people. We have to remember, we all make mistakes. Let's be positive and encouraging. I 
I, uh, when I was in Bible college, I, I made a huge mistake. I can probably look back and say it was the biggest mistake in my life. I was walking down a hallway, headed to go on a date. And as I was walking down that hallway, no one was in the hallway. There was nobody there. I heard as close to an audible voice as you can hear, I heard these words, don't go. Don't go. And I thought, it's a Michael W. Smith concert. The truth is, I hadn't been asked out on many dates in high school. And at some point, I began to think, well, you know, it's just never going to happen. I must be pretty fat or ugly. There must be something pretty wrong with me. And looking back, I think it's probably because my youth pastor let me preach in youth group. And I carried my Bible to every class at school. And I just did some things that probably set me up to not be dating material to guys who just wanted to, <laughs> guys that just, you know, wanted to do more than date. And... uh so I just, I couldn't, I'm like, it's a date. I finally got asked out on a date. And I just, I made the decision to disobey. And I went to that. I went out on that date. And a year later, I was involved in a horrible breakup. The things were so bad, the police had to get involved and come to the Bible college to deal with a situation I faced being, I got kicked off the volleyball team. Uh, I had a little sister that I spent hours and hours with every week encouraging her and loving her. They took her away from me because I wasn't someone she could look up to at that point. I faced some painful consequences. And then I was staring down getting kicked out because of stuff I had done, because I, didn't obey, I started myself on a path of more disobedience, and I was facing being kicked out of Bible college. And my, Pastor Gilmore, my home pastor, he passed away a few, few weeks ago at the age of 60, he wasn't old. He made some phone calls. He asked me what I did, I told him the truth. I told him I was sorry. It was hard telling him. He made some phone calls. He met with some people. He said, Jenny deserves a second chance. So they didn't kick me out of Bible college. They let me stay. I was engaged to that man. God is such a good God of second chances. I mean... Look at him. He's amazing. <laughs> Piece of work. My life has been so full and so blessed because of him. I saw recently on Facebook that the man I was engaged to, he was kicked out of Bible college but eventually returned and went into ministry. He left his wife and his four children for another woman in the church. It should have been me, could have been me, but I have this man here. 
because God is a God of second chances. And I get to be a pastor because God is a God of second chances. I hope that you don't pigeonhole people who have made a mistake in your life. I hope that you try to look past those one or two things they've done wrong and focus on everything they've done right. That you would encourage them. That you would be there for them. And we need to follow the examples written in the Bible. In Deuteronomy 3.28, we see how God, sorry, goes to Moses and uh, he says, hey Moses, there's this kid Joshua over there. You need to stick a crown above his head. This is how God does it. In Deuteronomy 3.28, instead commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land you now see before you as their possession. Encourage, strengthen. We see in the Bible that God is a God of encouragement, that God gives us strength. In Romans 15.5, it says, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus. Patience, encouragement. 2 Corinthians 7.6, But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. It's great how at just the right time, God sends just the right people into our lives to encourage us and to help us. It's a great thing. You know, it's very hard for me to get up here. It's just, it's just been a battle. It's scary. It's scary. It feels like you're on a roller coaster. You think you're going to die, but there's kind of some fun hidden down there in there. <laughs> I remember we went, we were, I don't even remember where we were, but we were on top of some building, and on top of some building is a roller coaster, not a roller coaster, but a ride that shoots you straight up, like 100 feet, and then you fall, and we're already on top of a building. And I was like, help me, help me. We, I, thought, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die, and when we got done, there was such a short line, the guy looked at Jeff and said, you want to go again? And Jeff's like, yes, and I said, get me off this thing. I'm going to die. It's, it's not easy for me to be up here, but um, I just, Karen Russell texted me last night knowing that and made me feel so special. And then Kathy Cheney's sitting on the front row smiling at me. Encourage each other. Be there for one another. Encourage the discouraged. Hezekiah shows us how to encourage people as they serve the Lord in Second Chronicles 30:22. Hezekiah encouraged all the Levites regarding the skill they displayed as they served the Lord. The celebration continued for seven days and peace offerings were sacrificed and the people gave thanks to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Encourage those who are serving the Lord. When you drive into the parking lot and the rain is blowing sideways 
and there's some beautiful person standing there in the rain with a smile on their face, waving at you as you drive by, roll down their, your window and say thank you. Great job. When you walk past the nursery hallway and you see that this amazing volunteer has corralled 14 two-year-olds. <laughs> Not only are they corralled, but they're sitting there waiting with bated breath to hear what happens next in the Bible story. Give them a thumbs up and a smile and say, thank you, you're doing a great job. When you walk by that youth leader who's huddled with a kid who's sad and they're encouraging them and telling them they're great and they're special. Hunt them down and thank them for what they are doing. Encourage those who are serving here. Tell them thank you. Hezekiah also shows us how to encourage people by pointing to God in difficult times. The king of Assyria had attacked Judah and he was headed for the Israelites and, and Hezekiah. And Hezekiah got the people together and they rallied. They started making weapons. They started getting ready. They, they fixed holes in the walls around the city and they were just prepared because the enemy was on its way and it was ready, ready to attack. And Hezekiah gave this great word of encouragement to the people in 2 Chronicles 32, 7 through 8. It says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. And Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. What a great thing to do when you see someone among us who is facing an enemy and they're discouraged and they're fearful and they're scared. Would you come alongside them and point to God and say, our God is big. His love never fails. It never gives up. It will never, ever run out on you. Ever encourage people. Peter, James, and John encouraged and commissioned others to minister. In Galatians 2.9, it says, in fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continue their work with the Jews. There are people here who have gifts and you have seen it. Would you stand up and encourage them to use them for the Lord? When you see that little kid running through the hallway, you might see a gift of leadership. We'll encourage them and tell them someday or even today you can be a great leader. You go up to kids town, man. You go up there and be a leader. You show those other kids how to live, and they'll follow you. Encourage each other. We are in, uh, Paul received encouragement while he was in prison. It says in 2 Timothy, may the Lord show special kindness to Oni, which is what we call him upstairs in Kidstown, and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me 
because of my chains. That implies to me there that someone was ashamed to come to Paul while he was in prison. The man was in prison writing the New Testament for us and someone was ashamed to go and see him because of his situation, because of his circumstances. In Hebrews 10.25 it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us not neglect our meeting together. In order to encourage people of faith, you have to be with people of faith. You have to put yourself in places where there are people to be encouraged and there are people to encourage you. This is a great place to do that. Life groups, great place for that, to encourage one another. Youth group in Kidstown, Nothing will be better for your kids than to place them with other kids and adults who have been praying for them, who have been waiting for them, who have been placing those crowns above their heads so they can grow into it. That's why when they're tired, we still, send, we still bring them to church. You know, I think about math class when I was a kid. Math class was hard. I was already behind because of my hearing loss that they didn't realize, and I, it was just hard to be there. It was embarrassing sometimes. You know, sometimes we come to church and God says something to us that's hard to hear. It's hard to learn sometimes. It's a little, you know, growing pains. Kind of sometimes it hurts a little to grow, and we can be discouraged or feel like, well, I don't want to go there today. I don't know if I want to be there today. I want you to press through that feeling of discouragement and come. Why? Because your crown is so close. And every step you take, every time you press through, every time you come here, every time your kid goes to youth group, they're growing a little bit more into their crown. So encourage them. Elevate tonight is going to be a great place to be, to be encouraged and encourage others. Romans 1.12 says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. You can't be encouraged if you're not with people. You can't hide out in your house. Look, when you get up to leave today, I want you to do something for me. I want you to hunt down someone and encourage them. Look, I am the shyest person here. I am awkward. I, it's terrible for me to meet new people. It's, it's, it's painful. It's hard for me. But Joy Wilson gave me some great encouragement in this area, and this is what she told me. Um, think of the four H's. When you're, when you're going up to someone you don't know, think of the four H's. And I'm not talking about bunnies and cows and goats. The four H's, hopes, hobbies, history, and home. So when you go up to someone at church and, and you don't know them and you're not sure what to talk about, think of the four H's. Ask them a question about their home, where you live. Ask them a question about their history, where are you from? Ask them a question about their hobbies, what do you like to do when you're not working? 
Ask them a question about their hopes. Do you have a goal you're working for? Do you have a dream? Tell me about that. That will help you start connecting with others. We see in the Bible that Jonathan went out of his way to encourage David. It says in 1 Samuel 23, 16, Jonathan went to find David and encourage him to stay strong in his faith in God. I hope that every one of you has a Jonathan in your life who's going out of their way to encourage you to stay strong in this faith you have in God. May we be people who think and speak positively about others, who don't hold people back because of their past mistakes, and who follow the examples God has so lovingly given us through his word. May we follow his example.